So, welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. And this week, we're having our third Nerdfest. Yay! Yay! Uh, do we have any Star Trek announcements? I forgot to check. Um... Uh, what Star Trek news did I hear this week? Oh, there was awards. That's right. They won two Saturn Awards. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery was selected as the best new media television series. It beat out the fellow nominees Altered Carbon, Black Mirror, The Handmaid's Tale, Mindhunter, and Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams and Stranger Things. And Sonequa Martin-Green also took home a Saturn Award for Best Actress on Television for her performance as Michael Burnham. And others in the category were Gillian Anderson for The X-Files, Katriona Balfe for Outlander, Melissa Benoist for Supergirl, Lena Headey for Game of Thrones, Adrienne Pelicki for The Orville, and Sarah Paulson for American Horror Story Cult, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead for Fargo. They were nominated in five categories. So, yeah. I'm just reading some of the other ones. Michelle Yeoh was nominated for Best Guest Performance, but the winner of that went to David Lynch for Twin Peaks The Return. And the Orville... The Orville won a Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Television Series. The Orville's the one I don't like on principle, right? Well, th- well, it's the one I don't like on principle. But, I mean, it's it's probably fine. I've heard very good things about it. I still don't think I'm ever going to watch it, just because uh, Seth MacFarlane is not the person for me. Yeah, that's and fair. And he never has been. Yeah. So, just, yeah, one of those things. Um. So, yeah. So that was the Star Trek news this week. Um, there's still lots of rumors circulating about Patrick Stewart coming back to Star Trek. And um, the only other thing they've been in the news for is that they are going to have a Star Trek Discovery panel in Hall H at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was like another setup for them as well with like a gallery of um, some Star Trek discovery art and things like that so i'm looking forward to when we record after july 20th because i think that they will likely be showing some scenes from season two at comic-con and we'll have had some of the reaction and stuff from it and and have been able to see hopefully we were able to see it after they screen it on the 20th okay uh we shouldn't be able to no no Okay. I, I mean, it's an exclusive thing. Okay. I can I can talk more about that in a moment if you like. Well, well, I will then try and get as much reaction and description as I can from people I who mean, will be attending. I should say I'm not saying people aren't going to record it, but usually that mm. is frowned upon. Mm. Do you think they would release some like start releasing promo stuff though on the official channels and stills and things? It super depends. Some mm, okay. do, some don't. Okay. Because, like, sometimes they use uh, San Diego as, like, the start of a promo sort of tour. Run up. For to, like, yeah. yeah. But sometimes they use it as, this is super early and we want to see what people think about it. You know? Gotcha. And we don't really have finished product to show, but we're going to do some of this. Mm-hmm. 
I don't my my hunch is that they're not going to be like starting to ramp things up yet mm-hmm. just because the season 2 premiere is set right now for January. And this feels a little early. Yeah. To be getting excited about January. Yeah, like I feel like fall is when we're going to start seeing a lot of promo things and um hallmark also has a star trek discovery ship ornament that's new this year and then the other merch thing i found this week was there's a company out of the uk that makes custom minifigs on a whole bunch of themes and one of their tv show themes is some star trek themed lego minifigs and they just released a line for voyager and I'd found them before, but I was looking at it again because they have a Deep Space Nine range. And sadly, to buy the complete DS9 set would cost me, you know, $130 for a set of minifigs. This uh, Star Trek Discovery ship ornament is thirty-two ninety-nine mm-hmm. American. But it mm-hmm. does look pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Don't know what it's gonna be Canadian, but well, thirty percent markup off on that. <laughs> uh, available July fourteen, so it's gonna be forty-five or fifty bucks. Would be my guess. I don't know if I so. can justify that for an ornament, but I do kind of want it. Yeah, I super don't know either. Yeah, so for a week without really looking for news, I talked an awful lot about some news this week. All right, shall we dive into nerd things? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so I guess since it's summer and it's, you know, it's it's con season, mm-hmm. I thought I would talk about my experiences at conventions because I've been cool. to many of mm-hmm. varying sizes. Uh, my first one would have been a local anime convention. Uh, okay. Oh, geez, many years ago, like 10 years ago. Yeah, shit, weird. 10 years ago, if not more. Mm-hmm. Weird, sorry, I just realized that. Um, that are, for some reason, the local anime conventions are always held at universities. Yes. And it's yeah. weird and awkward and weird. My brother-in-law was best man at a wedding that was at a university. The same weekend as an anime convention. (laughs) So so they got to be, you know, walking around out there, seeing all the people in their crazy costumes. And uh, it was a super hot weekend, too. And they had to be in, like, full suits. Yeah, it's always... I'm sure both, both sets, the anime convention goers and the wedding people, were equally, you know, parts confused at each other. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> I hope they took like some group photos, like just found some cosplayers and were like, "We want to do a funny wedding photo. Please join in." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I never asked, but uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So then, eventually, I guess in two thousand and nine, a bunch mm-hmm. of friends went to San Diego Comic Con, and my friend Christine and I hated them <laughs> and a lot. And we decided no more. (laughs) Next year we were going and then we wouldn't have to hate these people who were there without us. 
Right. So the next year we went. Um, and that was mm-hmm. in 2010. And I should mention that that is no longer how tickets for San Diego Comic-Con work. You can't just decide to go and then, hey, you get tickets. <laughs> right. As, at that time, we bought like we bought our tickets months after they went on sale. They, they hadn't sold out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, which And now they sell out like... Within half. Right away. Yeah, it's just as long as it takes to get everybody through the line. And also that, so then we went that the following July, we mm-hmm. showed up at the convention center a Thursday morning, we picked up our badges, and we thought, well, Joss Whedon's got a panel in Hall H today, let's go see if we can get in. So we've lined up for Hall H and we walked right in. <laughs> Which again, is <laughs> also not how it works anymore. Um, and then we spent a couple of hours there, we saw... A lot of random famous people, and then we saw a panel with uh, Joss Whedon and J.J. Abrams, and that was the first mm. of many times that I have seen Joss Whedon at San Diego Comic-Con. Hmm. Um, what else did we do that oh, And I would presume, like, that was a weird day for us, because it would have been our first day ever at San Diego Comic-Con. We spent most of it in Hall H uh, with, I think we met up with a group of friends, because we have a lot of internet friends that go... Mm-hmm. And so it was our first time sort of meeting these people, and we're at this convention, and I'm just sort of talking about why I like conventions. And one of the reasons is meeting up with all of our fun internet friends. And at the time, I did not have, you, you know, mm-hmm. Joss Whedon was not known to be an asshole, and this was pre-him sort of fucking up Avengers 2 and all that. So everybody still just loved Joss. It was an uncomplicated right. love, and I was very, very excited. Right. What even else happened that weekend? We met, we always meet a lot of authors and we get, mm-hmm. and that was the first time that we ever got like a lot of free books, like early copies of free books. And we were like, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember buying anything that first year. I'm sure I did, but I don't remember it. I remember fun panels, free books. In, in case our readers haven't guessed it yet from listening to Kate, she she loves books and reading a lot. This, this is true. And <laughs> But I also uh, love um, taunting other people. So ha- having books that other people want and can't have, I also love uh. that. <laughs> and when you're sort of part of an online community that's super into books and you have something that they want, it, it makes me feel good. <laughs> Gotcha. Which maybe makes me a bad person, but whatever. I also love uh, <laughs> the feeling of, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll lend this to you. That's fine. You can you can borrow my coffee and be let into my club. That's also fun, too. Right. Um, so I'm a bit of a shit, but yeah. I don't think that's new information on this podcast. No, and I was—I was just thinking, it must frustrate you that you can't taunt me that way, because I never read books as soon as they come out, like ever. That is so just like books come out, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. No, but, but I have other things. I even book. Well, there's other things you can tease me about for yeah. sure. But not not the new book thing. Yeah. No, not the new I'm book. I'm like, thing. okay, when the book series finishes, Kate, then I'll Yeah. Then I'll read it. <laughs> to be fair, I'm more like that now. I'm I'm yeah. mostly because after years of conventions 
and some like book specific conventions. I just I have mm-hmm. hundreds of books that I haven't read and it's actually kind of stressful. Um right. So now I'm just I like maybe I don't want any more books right now. Like I'm not even That's- exaggerating. I have hundreds of books that I have not read. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. Anyways, that is, if you recall, one of the reasons why I started doing my annual reading challenges. Yeah. Not that I had physically books that I hadn't read, but my to-be-read list on Goodreads is always, like, double the length of the books that I've actually read. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. So, I think that first year I also, like, uh, met the cast of the Guild. Um, oh, we saw Ooh. we saw a castle panel, so we saw Nathan Fillion. Um, I remember that was the year on the Sunday. This was before the Harry Potter movies had finished releasing. So uh, on mm-hmm. the Saturday, I think it was the Sunday. There was going to be like a, a Harry Potter panel with a with a, just one of the actors. Shoot, uh, Draco Malfoy. I forget his actor's name. Mm. And we mm-hmm. thought about going to that, but then we were like, no, it's the last day. We want to be out and about and doing stuff. And then it I, that was the year that, like, somebody allegedly sat in somebody else's seat, and then that dude stabbed him with a pencil. Oh, right, right. I remember and that. And so we were just like, thank God we didn't go there, because they had to, like, lock down Hall H for hours and all these things. And, uh, and yeah. It's funny, just to comment on that and how... Um like at the time it was a bit of a joke because it was like ha ha nerd violence with a pencil oh nerd fans are so like there was a bit of that reaction to it yeah and now if you look at like the toxic nerd culture out there um i think it's taken a lot more seriously it's like no they're they're harassing people to the point of actors quitting and quitting social media and I was just somebody posted an article as well about the actor who played Jar Jar Binks Mm -hmm. who basically cannot make a living as an actor anymore because of that association with Star Wars and all that kind of stuff anyways it's terrible it's just interesting how we've gone from like 2010 when it was like you know oh yeah nerd cultures you know Mm -hmm. joked about like that and now it's like, no, no, we, there's a lot of shit in nerd culture that needs to get cleaned up. Absolutely. Uh, so then, so we went to, to Comic-Con for four years in a row, tw- 2010 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Is that five years? 2010, uh, Inclusive, yeah, it would be. I swear we only went to four, though, but it was definitely 2015 that we swapped to New York Comic-Con. I don't remember. Maybe we, maybe our first one was 2011. Okay, I don't remember. It's fine. Um, and yep. sort of over those years, we, you know, camped out for Hall H a couple times. Which, mm-hmm. if you're ever going to go to San Diego Comic-Con, I actually do recommend camping out for Hall H at least once. It's a lot of fun. And, again, if you're like me and you like being able to taunt people, you feel really good <laughs> about being in Hall H on a Saturday when you get to see all the big panels, like Warner Brothers and Fox and Marvel and all the big now, stuff. Do they, let you, do they let you stay in Hall H between panels? Oh, yeah. It would be a nightmare if they cleared it between panels. So, yeah, you just stay in all okay. day. That's why okay. That's why there is camping out, because people aren't camping in, out for, yeah. yeah. They don't, like, everybody likes that they get to see the Warner Brothers panel, 
they're camping out for the Marvel panel, and that is always the last panel of the day. So right. if you don't get in in that initial entrance, you're not getting mm-hmm. in. Gotcha. Do they have bathrooms inside Hall H you can use, or is that like an endurance test? So there are bathrooms inside Hall H. Okay. Uh, Hall H, I believe, holds 6,500 people. Okay. So there's one large bathroom. Now here is the secret to enjoying a good day in Hall H. You can mm-hmm. also get bathroom passes that let you leave Hall H. Hmm. And they are usually good until the end of the next panel, which means if you time it right, you can get out of there for two hours. Right. And A, again, this... this, this That's a hot tip, people. <laughs> yeah. That's like... That's like, time it right, you can do a tour of, like the merch floor yeah use the bathroom and be back and that's, you're that's good. literally and you can get some sunshine because it is pitch fucking black in there and you have no idea what's going on because it's uh, like a movie yeah. theater the whole time right so you walk out and you're <laughs> like oh my god sun what is going on mm-hmm. what what is like it's that really stereotypical nerd thing um mm-hmm. so i remember one year we did it and not only it was a saturday so there was like a group of people who would have bought our bathroom passes from us waiting outside the door and that made me feel good um as just mentioned and then we just start and like when you exit hall h from the bathroom pass area you're like right at one end of the exhibit hall so we just went right in did a walk around got a couple free books bought something and came back and it was gotcha it was great uh got you know walked around a bit instead of being stuck in tiny chairs because the chairs are tiny if you're mm-hmm. bringing, like, blankets with you or anything with camping out for haulage, make sure you know how to fold them up and stick them, squish them down low so that, because it's just a crowded mess in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess blankets would be recommended with that many people going in and out. That floor is not going to be clean. Well, I meant for sleeping on outside. Or, for sleeping. Or sitting, even. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's, like, if you're going to be, like, sitting down on the floor... It's uh when you line up for Hall H, H you're outside you either on the grass or the sidewalk. Oh, okay. So if you're camping out overnight, you're camping out Gotcha. Overnight. And it's it's gotcha. July in San Diego, so it's mostly warm. Uh there have been some years when we've been along the marina and right beside mm-hmm. the water, and that can be kinda chilly because there's the cool right. breeze coming in off the off the ocean. Gotcha. And yeah. But mostly we've mm-hmm. been pretty warm. There was the last year we went, we camped out Thursday night for Friday, and then we left Hall H Friday evening and got in line to camp out for Saturday. Oh my god. And then we were in Hall H all day Saturday. And then after the the big Marvel panel at the end of the day, they were doing like after hours panels for the a bunch of DC shows were premiering that year, like The Flash and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then we stayed for that and fell asleep, basically, watching a lot of these things. So then uh, we went back to our hotel room and slept real actually good. slept? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually don't recommend that unless you're in a big group. Um, so, like, I only travel with Christine, but mm-hmm. if we're going to San Diego, we meet up with a bunch of our friends there. And mm-hmm. so what we were able to do that night was on the, the Friday night for the Saturday, get in line wait around till we got our wristbands and then mm-hmm. go back to our hotel room, shower, and like just lie down for a bit and then come back and rejoin our friends in line. Right. So if there is just like the one or two of you and you're not staying at a hotel, 
right beside the convention center, which we were not because those are super expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think our two nights in a row thing was a good idea. (laughs) Right. High chance we did nothing on Sunday. (laughs) Like, we got there and we looked at something and we're like, nope, I am nerded out. Right. But that was a that was a fun time. I've seen a lot of fun things in Hall H. I guess one night we camped out for Ballroom 20 because the 10th anniversary panel of um, Firefly was in there. And that was mm-hmm. good to see. And mm-hmm. we didn't spend the entire day in Ballroom 20 for that, so that was good. Ballroom 20 is the second biggest room. Right, right. I feel like it holds about 4,000 people. Maybe less, okay. 3,500? I forget what the numbers on Ballroom 20 are. Now, you said that you switched to New York after a while, mm-hmm. so tell us what's different between the New York Comic Con and the San Diego Comic Con. Oh my god. So much. And also, you get me being jealous of you going to New York Comic Con this year. <laughs> yes. Um, so, New York Comic Con is run by a different company. The company that runs San Diego only runs one other convention, and that's WonderCon in LA. And that's mm-hmm. all they do. They probably could expand, but they don't. Um, right. So New York Comic Con is run by a company called Read Pop, which is basically slowly taking over all the other semi-big conventions. So Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle is now run by them, even though it wasn't until, I think, last year. And mm-hmm. a couple other ones. And they have a style of convention that they run, which includes weird DJs and things that I am not a fan of. So that's very strange. New York is a lot more laid back than San Diego, which mm-hmm. I think the convention center itself is bigger, so it can technically have more people uh, than San Diego can, but it mm-hmm. it's not as, I guess, popular outside of that, of, of like the con itself. So it doesn't get as many big name things. If that makes sense. Okay. Like, even though there's technically more people there. Right. Um, I find that it, like, San Diego has a lot of movie stuff in in its bigger panels, and New York has a lot of television. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, yep. And also, like, when you're in San Diego Comic-Con, the entire city is at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, it transforms. One year we were there, and the... The transit signs were all in Dothraki. Okay. You know, like, there's... There- right, right, they do the whole... There's a lot of other things done across the city yeah, for it. Yeah, if you're in San Diego during Comic-Con and you don't have tickets to Comic-Con, you can still have a really good nerdy time because there is so much to do outside of the convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, that doesn't happen because it's New York. Yeah. So it's, it, it's not like you're blending into the city when you're super nerded out you're, well i guess in a way new york doesn't care but you know you're still it nothing is happening outside the convention center in new york other than regular new york things yeah and you know to be fair if i were going to new york i could almost always find something to see or do well yeah absolutely um whereas like if i'm going to san diego like i feel like if i had gone to san diego two or three times I'd probably be about done with, like, the main touristy things that I'd want to do outside of a convention. Well, the thing with the way that Christine and I con, and not everybody Mm -hmm. does this, 
is that we are done at the end of the day. We're not doing right. anything yeah. else. We're conning and we're sleeping and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do know other people who don't do that and do manage to do other things. Actually, I know people who do do that and then go out and party all night and then get up early and con the next day just as hard as us and I don't understand how they are alive. Are they in their 20s? No, they're older than us. Mm. Well, me, mm. I, don't, I, I don't know about you. I honestly am never sure quite how old you are, so. It's <laughs> <laughs> good I'm a mystery. Yeah, I'm, like, aware that you are older than me, but I don't know, like, I have no idea how much older than me. Um, but, like, I think, uh, I'm trying to think of this person in particular. I'm going to say she's old. Like, I, I'm 98%, no, I'm 100% certain she's older than you also. I'm sorry, I don't want to insult you. Um but man I don't know how she did it it was crazy and also she had a friend who got into stuff that I to this day I have no idea how you get into at, at, at because so Christine and I were super good at Hall H we had that down but there are other exclusive things like I have no idea how to get an autograph at San Diego Comic Con it is complicated I have no idea how to buy certain exclusive toys from like Hasbro. I have no idea how mm -hmm. that works because mm. he, I pfft, I don't know. They they all every single different sort of area has their system, and you have to know the system. Right. New York is a lot more laid back, and I don't even. We didn't go last year because I had four weddings last year, mm. one of which was Christine's. So. Yeah, obviously she was also distracted. Yeah, perhaps not having a budget to go to a convention in a different city. Yeah, and it is nice. Uh, like I like going to New York because then we can go see a play. Um, I have family who lives in New York, so I can see them. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you can't. Well, I guess you could, but I don't know anybody who camps out in New York. Like, I don't think you can. It's October. Gets chilly at night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, although it's usually still pretty warm because it's the beginning of October. Um, hmm. I, I'm honestly like drawn a blank about what we did last time in New York. Uh, unfortunately, now that I've gone to so many conventions, the convention centers and some of the things that I've done have meshed together in my brain. And mm -hmm. when I'm thinking of like, oh, I'm going to go over here to Artist Alley, except I'm in Seattle and I'm thinking about New York or I'm like, OK, so I should just go upstairs, upstairs and down the long hallway. And then I'm like, no, wait, that's San Diego. That's not New York. And then I'm like, wait, where am I? I have no idea. And like all the convention centers have just mooshed in my brain. Right. I Last year, we did see a Stranger Things panel and Marvel always has like their TV panel at, at, at New York. So they're Netflix stuff, mostly. Right. Which is good. It's always a lot of books in New York because that's where the publishers are. Mm -hmm. So that's always fun times. When I was at Emerald City Comic Con earlier this year, I happened to just be walking by a publisher book and one of them randomly recognized me. Oh, really? Yeah, that <laughs> happened. That's, a, that's awesome. That, uh, that's that's conventions. I like them a lot. I like the nerd shopping. I like the fun panels. I do kind of miss, you know, getting to see stuff that nobody else gets to see in Hall H. Oh, so I was going to mention, 
Um, mm-hmm. Usually, like in between panels in Hall H, there is a very stern recording that plays like a voice about the rules, which mean you know, no recording, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, respect this stuff, because there was always this like threat that movie companies, movie studios weren't, weren't going to come back if we kept leaking the stuff that they showed us. Right. Which, I mean... I agree with not leaking it. We camped out overnight to be in this place. You know, we went through all the hoops. This this mm-hmm. stuff is for the people in Hall H. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people would record it anyways and leak it out. And it's annoying. Right. And obviously I think they're okay with you taking, like, when, like, the actors and stuff are up on stage, yeah. like, taking photos of that kind of thing. But Yeah, it's when they show... Not the actual exclusive content. Yeah. Um, so. so some of the stuff that we were there for was the announcement that they would be doing mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. which people lost their shit. Um, I didn't care, obviously, but yeah, people lost their shit. Uh, I think yep. that same day, that was a long day. At the very, very end of the Marvel panel, that may have been also the Marvel panel that. Tom Hiddleston came out in costume and yelled at us, um, which that was fun. And then at the very end of that, like, everybody left, it went dark, and then suddenly the lights came back on and Joss Whedon was there and he announced doing that Avengers 2 was going to be Age of Ultron and nobody knew that it was going to suck yet. So, and my friend, Christine, <laughs> loves the, the comic uh, Age of Ultron series, so I am pretty okay. sure at one point she was literally screaming and grabbed my shoulder and shook me because she was so excited. <laughs> so you get you get kind of caught up in the 5,000 nerds energy of Hall H. Right, right. This is setting the bar for my watching Age of Ultron pretty low. Oh, yeah. That's a good place to set it. It's crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so any last things you want to say about conventions? Uh, They're fun. Everybody should go. If anybody out there ever does want to go to San Diego and you want help figuring out how, or New York. New York has a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through now, too. Um, Yeah, you have to be fan verified. Yeah, it's uh, San Diego's like that, too. You need an account. It's to help cut back on... On the bots buying tickets. That and, you know, people who buy tickets and resell them. Right. What is the word I am looking for, Jen? scalpers there we go thank you yeah um so it's to help cut back on that sort of stuff um but anyways if you ever want help about all the hoops you have to jump through to get a ticket i am pretty good at that so i can help there you have it i made new york sound kind of lame it's a lot of fun i it's just a lot more low-key than san diego see that's fine because i am a much more like low-key convention yeah exactly yeah Like even like the only convention we've ever really gone to is the Penny Arcade Expo, mm-hmm. and we went like in the first years that it started before it when it was actually in the smaller uh, convention center before they moved it. Mm-hmm. And even as things got bigger, because like for a while I don't know if they still do this or some of the things, but they don't like people camping out for different panels, and they mm-hmm. do clear most of their rooms. So you, they basically have lotteries. For, or at least that's what they did for a while when we were still going back in the day. So you would show up and they'd have like those number tickets and everybody would get a number. Mm-hmm. And then they would like let you know which selection could actually come in. So at New York, that's how they do their main stage. They're like college equivalent. 
Okay. They do gotcha. clear it out in between panels. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, like, the Hall H would not work. Like, there's too many people. It's too complicated to clear it out. So they yeah. can't. And uh, even at New York, the smaller panels, they're not cleared out. And mm. that is actually always something to keep in mind. Because there's always people at every convention I've ever been to lining up outside a panel room for the next panel. And I look at mm-hmm. them. And then I just walk in and take a seat because you can just go right. in. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, I don't understand. Um, like, maybe you'll have to deal with everybody looking at you as you open the door in the middle of a panel, but whatever. And this is a good <laughs> a good, um, uh, a tip. When we wanted to go to a small panel, we would usually go, like, a panel or two early get seats and just mm-hmm. sit down for an hour and like eat our sandwiches because we haven't taken 10 minutes to just sit right right. so and and that way also you see a bunch of panels that you were never planning on seeing but they can turn Sometimes out to be it's gonna be good stuff yeah they can turn out to be really interesting i randomly saw a panel on the author of um world war z one year world war z whatever mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually really funny and interesting and had done some work with on on some Ninja Turtle comics, actually. And I, like this is not a panel I would have ever chosen to go to, but it was really interesting and I, I liked it. Cool. So I also picked things on like a summertime theme, although less nerdy, perhaps, or differently nerdy than what Kate picked. Um, I'm going to nerd out about birds to start. Um, just because uh, one of the unexpected things that I have been greatly enjoying is having birds in my backyard. And I've been strangely obsessed with it. Um, I will move my chair to like the very far end of the table away from my family because I can then look out the windows and watch the birds at my bird feeder. Mm -hmm. And I have, I think, four different bird apps on my phone. And I've started listening to a podcast, which is actually like a recording of a radio show, um, all about birds. And yeah, I'm, I'm constantly working on different ways to trick out my backyard to encourage certain birds and keep other birds away. Tell me your favorite birds. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Um, This year, we were pleasantly surprised because we have goldfinches in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they are very pretty because they are like bright yellow and they are fairly small. So they tend to get uh, bullied away from the bird feeder a lot. So just this morning, I was saying to my husband that I'm thinking of putting up another bird feeder uh, just so that there's more spaces for the birds to go to. And uh, he's cool with that, so I'm happy about that. Uh, but I think probably one of my favorite birds is uh, chickadee. I do enjoy a good chickadee. Yeah, I, I'm quite a fan of their happy little chirp <laughs> in the morning and everything. And it's kind of funny because uh, my sister, hi Cam, uh, hates morning chickadees. <laughs> That's also fair. Mornings are the worst. Birds are loud. Yeah, yeah. But, like, whenever I get woken up by birds in the morning, like, it's always pleasant. Like, I, I enjoy it. I never, like, hear bird song and waking me up and think, like, ah, go away. So You've never had 
because a blue jay nest outside your bedroom window during the summer when you're finally not in school anymore and can sleep in. And then there's a baby blue jay at six in the morning every day. Sorry, flashback to my childhood. Carry on. Oh, it might have been blue jays. I was going to correct you to be Stellar's jays because we don't have blue jays here, but you grew up in Ontario. It's all blue jays. Yep. There you go. Okay. Um, But we did have Stellar's jays by our house when I was a kid. And uh, that's one of our current, my current conundrums with birds, because there are a few Stellar's jays in our neighborhood. Um, But we are adamantly opposed to squirrels. So it's very difficult to set up a nut ring or something to leave out nuts for the jays without then encouraging squirrels to move into your yard or your house. Okay, why are you against squirrels? Uh, because they gnaw on things, and if they start nesting into your house, they will start gnawing on stuff that they maybe shouldn't, poses a risk of, um, if they get to any of the electrical stuff, of starting a fire. And when we were a teenager, we did have squirrels that moved into the attic of our townhouse, and they literally were starting to chew down through the ceiling, like above my sister's bed. All right, that's fair. That's fair. We went in once, and there was, like, white stuff on the pillow, and we're like, this is so, like, what is this? And then we noticed that there's a tiny hole in the ceiling drywall, and that the squirrels were chewing chewing through. They're protected, so you can't just kill them. And also, like, laying out poison or something for squirrels would be problematic, because other animals can get poisoned. And they remember where home is, so when you relocate them, you have to drive those suckers far. Or they just come back. So... Yeah, I thought maybe you were squirrels. just against fluffy tails, but no, seems no, like no. you have some actual reasons here, so that's fine. Yes. Carry on. Yes, same reason why like we do have to be slightly careful because, um, well, it's the suburbs, so there's rats. Mm-hmm. And for a while, when we had um, cheap bird feed and no um, plan to keep uh, the, from falling off the bird feeder, we were getting rats through. And so that's a problem as well. Yes. So rats are not we got nice. rid of the rats. Yeah. And uh, this year we've been having lots of bird seeds. So, and they haven't made a reappearance that I've noticed. So that's good. And you can buy special uh, food treatments uh, specifically to deter squirrels, mm-hmm. which is something I didn't know. It makes it spicy so the birds can't tell. But the squirrels will, you know, try a little bit and then they don't like spicy food. So they'll leave it alone. And then our other big problem is that we have several large, larger birds uh, of the woodpecker family called flickers. And we've got a few uh, actual woodpeckers. And they like to have suet. But starlings will come and eat all the suet. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's been our other dilemma, is how to have this one type of bird in the neighborhood, but not encourage the other. So I'm planning on getting a new suet feeder, where it's basically, um, the suet is flat on the underside of a board, and woodpeckers and stuff can hang upside down to get it, but starlings can't. So I'm hoping that will encourage them. And then that in turn... Um, helps balance the starling population because they're natural enemies. And so then the starlings have something to check them from taking over the neighborhood. 
Okay. Bird so, politics in your backyard. It's all bird politics. Totally. Um, one thing that has been kind of amusing this summer is that uh, the birds are very territorial. Mm-hmm. And the hummingbird we have in our backyard, hummingbirds are very territorial as well. And the hummingbird uh, bullies the other birds in our backyard. Small dog syndrome. Oh, yeah. So it flies at, like, the chickadees and the finches and just, like, buzzes past them and, like, chases them away from the bird feeder. And at first we were really confused because it was like, that's not where the hummingbird nectar is. But no, I think it's just a shit disturber and it's trying to get them out of what it perceives as its territory. And, uh, yeah. So... Because the hummingbird feeder is actually now on the other side of the garden. <laughs> We're like, why do you keep coming over here? And I think it's just because it's trying to get the other birds, like, out of its way. So, yeah. My bird plans. I really want to add a water feature. Mm-hmm. Because birds universally need water. Most alive things, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. I have plans to, at one point, add a proper bird bath, because the one I have now I don't think is actually designed to be a bird bath, so I don't think they can actually perch on it. Okay. So, it's, yeah, I haven't seen any birds go to it. And so then Are you saying you just have a, f- a bucket of water in your backyard? <laughs> no, no. Um, I was gifted... A large ceramic shallow bowl and told at the time that it would make a great bird bath. Now, it was given to me by someone who does not know about keeping birds in your backyard, which should have been my first clue. Um, so we set it up on a stand because it didn't have a stand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be just like on the ground because, again, that encourages rats. Um, so I set it up on the stand, filled it, have been filling it and cleaning it. But again, like I haven't seen a single bird go to it. So I think it actually is like not shallow enough and that the glazing on it is too slick so that birds can't actually like land on the edge safely. Mm -hmm. So I think it was, yeah, not actually intended as a bird bath. And, uh, so it, it hasn't been working. So we'll see. I'll do something else with it and get an actual bird bath with like a mister or a dripper or something. Because birds also like water that moves. So, and Kate, do you want to hear a tidbit about uh, starlings? Yes. Okay. So for those who don't know, uh, starlings are this little black and brown bird. They are what's known as a bully bird. And... They are not native to North America. They've got a long orange-yellow beak, and they're problematic because they can form flocks up to, like, a thousand birds, and they will land on food sources and just eat it till it's gone. So this, of course, causes a problem for other birds, and then when you do get these large flocks happening, it causes a problem for farmers because starlings will, like, come and, like, clear out a field. And they love fields and big grassy areas, which is why they love the suburbs, because there's always big lawns. Mm-hmm. And do you know who we have to thank for starlings being here, Kate? Some asshole? Yes. Okay. William Shakespeare. And another asshole whose name I can't remember. Because back in the day, 
some asshole living in New York who is eccentric and rich and a white dude, of course, decided, hey, I'm going to import every bird species from William Shakespeare's plays to New York. And that is how the starling arrived in North America. Interesting. So, yeah. What an... I was going to say what an odd thing to spend your time on, but I mean, I don't know what I would get up to if I was rich and bored, so... <laughs> Importing random bird species based on arbitrary criteria seems as I mean, good I as anything else. I mean, I probably wouldn't do that, but yeah, I'm sure yeah, I'd I do know. some weird shit that people would look back on and be like, this person was messed up. That's fair. But I still think of these, this guy's an asshole, just oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he hates... I really hate starlings. What birds don't you like? I don't like starlings. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of waterfowl. And I'm not into, like, birds as pets. This is more just, like, encouraging local bird species. Um, one of the reasons we like having them in the backyard is because they eat the bad bugs in the garden okay so and that's another reason why we have so many birds in the backyard is because we have things planted for them to um land on and and eat because most of the birds don't just eat seed they also eat bugs and then i think i really started getting obsessed with birds when we moved into the mm -hmm. house because I'd always kind of thought, like, oh, I want to put up a bird feeder one day, mm -hmm. right? And when we moved into the house, I put up a bird feeder. And then I would sit and, like, watch the birds eating. And it was just, I really enjoyed it. And so that's where it started. And it's grown from there. And, yeah, aside from not liking starlings, I like most other birds. Like, even crows, I have a deep respect for. And I've always been like oddly drawn to crows because even in my childhood I never had a problem with crows and yeah liked crows liked eagles so and a little bit amusing my I've trained my children to dislike starlings already too <laughs> so when we had suet up in the springtime I would routinely chase the starlings away from the suet, and my children started doing it too. So if they saw the starlings, they would run up to our back door and start banging on the windows. And uh, once my four-year-old told the starlings to go fly to Disneyland. <laughs> I don't know why he picked Disneyland. He just knew it wasn't here. And yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So... Oh, I'm not a big fan of seagulls, either. How do you feel about crows? I am fine with crows. I actually kind of want to go one winter to the big roost that you get to go through. That I get to go through. That you get to yep, go through. I'm privileged. Sure. Yes. <laughs> I take it you don't feel the same way. Um, until you have had to walk through thousands of crows in the dark when mm -hmm. you can't see them mm -hmm. you can only hear them mm -hmm. you you, you just, but that's what i'm saying i kind of want to do that it's terrifying <laughs> okay you say so 
This winter, I'll try it. Okay. I mean, you can you can do it now. Back. They're still there. There's just less of them. All the ones okay. that didn't find mating partners are still there. <laughs> the okay. single crows. The single crows. It's still not All fun, right. except now it's light when I walk by them. Right. So, I have a few things to tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't feel feed birds out in the wild. I guess that's my big, you know, PSA. How is that different than a bird feeder? Uh, well, a lot of the times people are feeding birds human feed mm-hmm. food, like especially out at like tourist sites and things okay. like that. Um, and first of all, they're not meant to digest that kind of food. A lot of the times the natural foods they eat are incredibly more um, nutrient packed and dense. Whereas like a lot of the breads or even rice or different things like that um, has a lot more more filled to the caloric content so their stomach gets full but they're not actually pulling in enough energy and nutrients so if you're gonna feed birds in the wild at least bring like bird seed to feed them right and not just like your crap bread um and then the other thing too is like a lot of times when people are feeding birds like out in the wild it's an attempt to get the birds to come closer to you to see the birds right um, and then you're also teaching birds to, um, get closer to humans. And when humans and birds come into conflict in their natural area, that can lead to problems for both. Right. So like the birds in my backyard, I don't try and approach them. I just watch them from my window. My yard is partly set up to encourage local birds. Um, birds were here first. And I'm trying to maintain, like, more of the actual natural diversity by discouraging starlings, which will otherwise come in and take over the neighborhood along with crows. So, yeah. I mean, if you go to a place where there is local wildlife and birds, that's fine to sit and look at it and appreciate it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But when you go to, like, a big tourist site... um, Unless it's like a specific bird sanctuary where there is bird feeding or something like that. Don't go and try and feed the animals. And I guess that just goes for not just birds, but any animals. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, We're going to cut it short with just one thing each this week. Because. And that's my fault. (laughs) I was going to say something not the truth. Well, not not entirely the truth, but you go ahead. Well. We're on our summer schedule, and I didn't plan to get, um, arrange it to have somebody else pick up my children for me this week. So I have to leave and go get my children. Because, you know, it's frowned upon to just leave them in strange places without supervision. That's fair. Yeah. I wasn't going to blame you. So, I mean, it's just, just FYI. Well, for next week, I'm, I'm planning on getting someone to, to pick up children. Okay. Just so... And this week sort of arrived, and I was like, oh, right, I didn't do that. Oh, well. Uh, we're cutting it short, but you can always nerdfest at us on Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are at Command of Her Own. Uh, or you can send us an email, a command of her own at gmail.com. Do you want to mention the Instagram? Sure, I'll mention the Instagram, <laughs> too. Uh, we also have an Instagram account, which is instagram.com slash a command of her own. 
All right. And we will see you all next week for Voyager. Yes. And should we mention? Trek- oh, we, we have a special guest. We do. I'm quite excited. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because our special guest considers Voyager as like their Star Trek. And it is probably, aside from the animated series, the Star Trek that I am least familiar with. So I'm happy that I'll have like a Voyager Trek expert to uh, watch and share with us. And so we're watching the two-part premiere, which I don't know the name of. I don't either. Jen, <laughs> you're the Star Trek expert. I know, I know. But I have an exam tomorrow. All right, and all right. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> I know, one after the other. I'm looking it I up. I really right wish now. I okay. could have like whipped it out right then for you. And just <laughs> been like the student has become the master, etc. Yeah. Sorry yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Star Wars reference. Okay, so season one, the first episode is called Caretaker. Interesting. And and that was what my hunch was when I was not remembering it, but oh, you should I trust your, it. your Star Trek gut. I know. Um I know. I remember really enjoying it, and uh, Kate, I think he, that Voyager would probably be a really good Star Trek for you. Okay, you've, you've you said that about it. them all. Um, so, <laughs> just to check, in this opening of a Star Trek, will there be mm-hmm. gods judging humanity? Will it keep up? I don't remember if they judge humanity. Alright, well, I guess we'll find out. But I think you could argue for a godlike alien. So, hey. Oh, Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Hey, it worked twice in a row. Why, why mess with a formula that's working? I suppose. I suppose. Uh, we'll see you all next week for the Voyager premiere. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>